0: Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hello, Rebecca.
1: Hey, Sarah. How you doing? I'm okay. How are you doing? I have a new appreciation for disaster plans and water remediation. There's a story there. There is a story there. Uh, Oh, dear listeners, uh, we canceled a couple ghost tours on Friday night, and I drove home, and I was feeling really bad about it because it was raining. It was fine, but I felt really bad for the people on the ghost tour, and I got home, and we tucked ourselves up into bed, and then we had a little baby tornado come through, and I don't feel so bad about canceling those ghost tours now. (laughs) they were totally canceled we we finished them
0: at the museum and had a really good time
1: there but okay we did you're you're not wrong you're not wrong we did little powerpointy fun things it was fine it was a consolation prize but they got yanked in off the street quite literally mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah so as far as disaster plans go um When I sent, so this podcast is on disaster planning in museums and what happens when things go wrong and what steps you need to take. And um, when I sent Cassie to the training originally, my attitude on disaster plans was, eh, we'll handle it when it happens. My attitude has changed
2: slightly.
0: I feel like somehow our planning for this episode like we sent Cassie with um, little fuzzy bunny microphones and she was going to do like a, an audio journey of her, her trip. So I feel like if we hadn't sent her on this, would these disasters have happened
1: or what sort of ball did we start rolling? Always be prepared, right? Come on, <laughs> scouts. Here we are. So what I've learned on a personal level from disaster planning, I'll let Cassie tell the podcast uh is that windows blow out and water comes in and it makes a big big mess and anything that you have sitting underneath a window is going to get destroyed so friends and family pull all of your valuables away from your windows and put them in the closet with doors because guess what the glass flies everywhere and if you don't have closet doors on it flies into whatever you have in the closet that is my tip for the day
0: I am appreciating our 1965 brick of a
1: building. (laughs) Yes, that thing stands forever. So on that note, (laughs) shall we launch into museum remediation and and, and Cassie's wisdoms? Yes.
0: The program that we sent Cassie to was put on by the Midwest Art Conservation Center uh, with funds from the state of Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage um, through the Minnesota Historical Society. And for more acronyms, the Minnesota Alliance of Local History Museums was all wrapped up in this too. So, lots of so good brains. So you're saying
1: that MAC and MNHS and MALM all got together and it was amazing?
0: Yes. Okay, and
1: cool.
0: Cassie's going to take us along with her, so.
3: Okay. Here we go. <sighs> okay. Alright, well, I'm headed to Rochester today. I'm driving down the highway as we speak and I woke up so early. I'm, I never wake up this early, so my brain is just just barely on. And, uh, yeah, so I'm rolling into the outskirts of Rochester here and I will check back in with you when I get to the, get all checked in and to the hotel. So, ended up at the wrong hotel. That's okay. We'll find the right one. Um. All right. Round two. Let's try this again. Yeah, so I'm headed to a two-day conference. Um, it's about emergency preparedness. Um, you know, in case there's mold or water or fire. The reason we were selected to go to this, um emergency preparedness workshop, as it were, um, was because uh, we were actually the first class and they wanted collections managers, conservators, archivists, to kind of try it out and see if it was something that was popular, so we got kind of first dibs on that. and I'm pretty sure most of the people who are going to be at this thing are uh, collections managers, so I'll get the chance to chat with them about their problems and get to know uh, more people like me in the field. I'm excited. Uh, yep. Now that I found the right hotel and I've checked in, um, I'm gonna head to the Olmsted Historical Center, and uh, yeah, we're gonna do do the uh, workshop over there. So, uh, wish me luck. I'm just walking up to the History Center now. Um, pretty excited to see what this is all about. Hopefully, it'll come uh, relatively easy to me. All right, wish me luck.
0: We located the water shutoff and the gas shutoff, which were fairly close to those locations. So, this is a good example of like a floor plan that you can include with your emergency plan as part of that centralization of. Um, institutional information and have available for first responders in the event of an emergency. Um, And they're like, they're online.
3: So I'm thinking about the kind of the first half of this and going through different packets. um, You know, we had a a risk assessment that um, I guess was kind of eye-opening considering there were a lot of different questions where either I hadn't considered it Maybe hadn't seen it in the any of our policies. So that definitely, I don't know, maybe weighs on my mind a little. Makes me think of, you know, different things that we should have long ago been prepared for, um, but aren't, and even given... You know, the fact that we don't have um, any sort of emergency plan other than assess the situation and deal with it in a, you know, appropriate way. Um, Of course, there's a lot of thinking on your feet, but I feel like um, it would be helpful for us to have information more easily accessible would be, ideal and something we can, you know, make happen immediately. And I think at the very least, after going through this first half, you know, we should have something like that uh, for people to refer to. I know we have a little bit in our, like, front desk. I feel like having a couple laminated copies just within you know, a quick walking distance or being able to refer to it quickly um, would probably be of most use uh, immediately. And then we can start thinking about the, uh, you know, something more comprehensive. Um, But for now, I think that's going to be my plan to jump right into that. Um, then move into something more comprehensive. Do we
1: have Christmas decorations?
0: <laughs> yeah, Christmas decorations is Christmas at Mayowood is a big thing, so all the decorations for Mayowood Christmas are in there. Yeah, so we'll love decorated. they came here and claimed, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, we want this land, and then they walked two days to the Cross, which is the nearest land office, so they had to go down there, and then they came back. By the time they came back, the family legend says, as some of these guys earlier, that um, it was too close to winter. They didn't have time to build a house. So the family legend is that they dug a cave and stayed the first winter in the cave with like a shanty up front. Um, but we don't have any
3: evidence of that. Like The caves have been checked. So they smoked stuff out like upstairs Mm -hmm. there and then they. Okay, and then they'd bring it down here to store. Okay, very cool. Gotcha. So we just took a tour um, as like our midday break of um, some of the outbuildings here. We went into the smokehouse and stuff and. I saw uh, a man, man-made cave and, uh, you know, it gives us, I guess, more to think about when it comes to emergency planning, different considerations you have to make um, based on, you know, what building you're in, what buildings you have. Um, so, I don't know, just got my got my mind working. All right. So I just got back from day one, back at the hotel room here. And we went through a lot of different things. Um, Honestly, when you, you know, have a workshop like this, it's, um, it's a lot to process right away. But I think that, um, you know, I kind of identified what we need um, most throughout it, or throughout it and throughout the discussion. It was mostly um, talking today about, you know, like what is an emergency, you know, different common instances because obviously you can't prepare for, you know, every type of an emergency. They're always inherently, one's inherently different from another. So you just try to have, you know, the most on hand and, you know, work from there. Um, I think the thing that stuck out to me the most in day one of this workshop was we have no dedicated um, plan that includes all of the employees or that everybody knows about you know, as far as how to handle this um, maybe when full-time employees aren't there. And I think that, you know, that's kind of important simply because, you know, they are part, there's, there's always the chance that they could be, you know, um, by themselves. Um, but we talked about different agents of deterioration and these, these essential elements of emergency planning. Um, and in that she had, her name was Nicole and she had brought up that, um, we need to determine what collections are a priority, you know, in case there's flooding case, there's a fire or anything like that. And we have, you know, only maybe three of us or maybe all of us ideally are there and we can all grab something, but I certainly haven't thought of what's the most important thing. And it's not one question that I can answer. I shouldn't be the only person determining what the most important thing is in the collection. This should be a, you know, a team effort. What do we believe is the most important portions of our collection? Is it simply you know, our, you know, what we've determined is our oldest thing or could possibly be our oldest thing. Um, but I think we as a team need to sit down and have the conversation, like what collections, what items could we whittle it down to, to say, Hey, these are the things that best describe who we are as an organization. You know, maybe that means, you know, yanking the server out of the wall. And that's our most, in, you know, one of our most important things besides just grabbing a particular box. Um, someone did bring up in this discussion of trying to, you know, figure this out, um, trying to, to come to an answer to this question. Someone brought up, well, why can't you, you know, put like a star on it or, or make it, immediately accessible like people know they have to look for this thing and then like you know put big yellow star on the side well then that also conversely puts our collection at risk because we're identifying specifically the you know the most important um and maybe even the most valuable things um which is problematic and uh, another thing we talked about where I'm like 90% sure I know where all the utility shutoffs are, which is going to be imperative <laughs> for any sort of an emergency that I'm involved in, especially if it's water or fire or, um, you know, God forbid, gas. Um, we already had something like that happen. So um, to know where shutoffs are for these things. And obviously they talked about a, a fire suppression system. Um, We watched a couple of videos on, you know, how fire starts. Like, obviously we don't have a fire suppression system, which is something that, you know, we've been talking about getting for years, you know, politics of the building, whatever we haven't gotten around to it. And seeing the footage of how quickly a fire can become like a real danger. It's not, um, you know, I thought it would, you know, four or five minutes. No, it's like a minute and a half before it comes criti- becomes critical. And I'm just thinking of all the paper stuff that we have in there. And well, that's going to um, obviously light up. So, and then that, you know, the leading to the, you know, utilities. And then that leads to, Oh, fire extinguishers. I know where maybe one of them is. I don't know if they, you know, get looked at all this jazz. So that kind of got me thinking too. And, and that just one, it, it seems that one thing leads to another leads to another, right? Like, Oh, we haven't made an emergency plan, but we have a couple of phone calls, you know, phone numbers you can call. Oh, well, you know, What if those people, you know, what if those two phones, phone numbers don't answer? Um, Fortunately, we were shared a template for an emergency plan. So I was thinking about kind of filling that out and giving different examples. So at least I have somewhere to start with, you know, after going to this um, workshop, I definitely have resources where I can, you know, look at these different documents and and whatnot and create something either similar or maybe download that and use it and fill in our information however it pans out but I have a starting point Um, I don't have to recreate the wheel which is fantastic it was nice you know hearing different people's you know perspectives on what they have going on in their museum versus what we got going on and and kind of kind of that whole thing, but um, yeah, my brain is kind of mush after <laughs> after day one. There's a lot of absorbing information that we can hopefully put to use tomorrow. So I'm excited and uh, yeah, ready to dive into the more hands-on um, items in this workshop tomorrow. All right, I'm up, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning, ready to roll, and I'm going for day two of this workshop. Um, I'm pulling in right now, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm ready for the day. Today is going to be a more hands-on day, so we're going to do a lot of uh, working with water and, you know, how to get mold off of things, different techniques for that, so I'm kind of excited, yesterday was mostly just, you know, sitting around and and really taking in information, you know, basically a sponge, Um, and today we're going to kind of apply, we're supposed to apply all that we learned yesterday. Fingers crossed that I'll be able to uh, set off the fire extinguisher. I don't know, the thing looks pretty bulky and pretty heavy, so we'll see. Let's go. I'm ready to roll. To conclude this weekend, let's start with talking about um, day two shenanigans um, at the workshop and kind of my my take on all that. And we really went through um, you know taking things uh, how to safely take things out of water and um, you know, go through a mock emergency, which was pretty cool. But we started the day with kind of doing a recap um, of what we learned the day before to kind of prime our brains for what we were going to be doing today. And um, as we were recapping, I was thinking about, um, you know, the different things we had been using or we're going to use that were – you know, laid out. And I was, you know, trying to do, you know, like a list check in my brain. And do we have any of, you know, these materials at the museum or do I know where they are or whatever? I need to investigate that um, for sure to see if we have them because good chance we do. We just don't have them all in a centralized location Um, where, so we had talked about after the recap of drying techniques and, you know, anatomy of an emergency and safety procedures and, and whatnot, um, we touched on different hazardous materials uh, that could be um, a problem in your collection. Um, and it occurred to me that I don't know that we have any um, add to the list of risks that we have going on. Um, but I mean, other than going through the collection and doing inventory, like we've been trying to do, there's, um, not much more I can do about it other than trying to find them. Um, and maybe just doing a quick pass through, um, collective access to see if, you know, something in collective access is marked as hazardous. Um, But I'd imagine that if it was hazardous, the previous archivists would have gotten rid of it already. But I, you know, if they knew about it, but I could be wrong. So worth, worth checking into. Um, I think the thing that stuck out to me the most today and what we talked about was this idea of a centralized location of materials that are designated for some type of an emergency Um, and just having a box or a tote or something with dedicated supplies, you know, yes, do we have garbage bags? Yes, we have garbage bags. Yes, we have, you know, a flashlight. Yes, we have, um, you know, various things that we need peppered around the museum that we can make work. But I think that in the event of an emergency, it would be much easier to just go to a tote (laughs) And find what you need instead of having to, you know, especially if the emergency is time sensitive, instead of having to waste time. Um, oh, my God, I need this, 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 and this. Now let's scavenger hunt around the museum. You know, that's just going to be a waste of time. So um, I think another immediate thing that we can do in our um you do for this, you know, emergency preparedness at the very least is that little document I talked about yesterday and then also to have a tote with designated emergency supplies. I mean, no brainer, right? That seems um, seems like a good use of resources and just, you know, something to have on hand. You know, the different things that were in this tote that we were going to be using in our mock emergency later um, and. Then we were talking about freezing, you know, versus dry freezing and the various techniques and the different refrigeration companies if you need to buy yourself more time. Um, when it comes to things getting wet to, you know, uh, discourage mold growth, typically what you would do is you would take the item that has been waterlogged um, and you can put those things in the freezer And that buys you time because there's typically, I learned, a 72-hour window, um, give or take some, where before mold starts to grow. So the best case or the best thing you can do when you're dealing with a um, particular type of uh, water emergency um, and you want to save your collection and give yourself more time, especially... um, you know, in a smaller museum where you don't have a lot of space, uh, buying your uh, freezer truck or or renting a freezer truck and, and putting the, um, waterlogged items in there can buy you more time for that. Um, you know, we gloved up, we aproned up and then, you know, we tested, um, dealing with waterlogged items. They were just sitting in a pool, ironically, it rained, um, today as well so uh that you know was something we had to contend with so the things that we had were extra saturated um and then there were a few they brought um you know some moldy things and then we you know we masked up and then we learned the techniques for you know trying out um you know Q tip and isopropyl alcohol to see that is usually what's used to kill uh, mold but if there is any sort of transference, you, you know, you have to do like a spot check to make sure that there is none. And then, you know, once you discover that there's um, none, no transference, or maybe there is transference. But if there's none, then you, you know, can spray down the whole thing, which I was super surprised by. But uh, apparently you can just mist and let stuff dry and do that three, four times. If there is transference, then you're going to want to, um, you know, stop everything immediately, and you know reassess the situation because it might be that it might be the case that you cannot salvage this item, um, and you're going to do it more harm than the mold that's on it already does. Um, but you know, in that case, then you just isolate those things, and they're just going to have to be permanently isolated from the rest of the collection. I think even just doing this, I'm feeling. You know, obviously more prepared because I've had time to think about it um, and kind of consider the, you know, these sorts of questions and the different things that I think we can do for our organization to, um, you know, better prepare ourselves for what happened, what can happen in museums. Can't say that I, I uh, didn't learn anything because I certainly did. Read all
2: about it in the Noka
3: County Library Minute.
2: Hi, my name is Diana Nurberg, and I'm a librarian for Anoka County Library, here with your Library Minute. This list covers resources on emergency preparedness. Are you ready? The first is Safe Kids, Smart Parents, What Parents Need to Know to Keep Their Children Safe by Rebecca Bailey. A parent's number one priority is the safety and health of their child. This book offers strategies to parents helping their children safely navigate the world, but also includes a section called Safe Kid Kit written specifically for kids. Next is The Prepared Home, How to Stock, Organize, and Edit Your Home to Thrive in Comfort, Safety, and Style by Melissa George. This book teaches you how to make emergency preparedness look good. The author does this by combining her former work as a project specialist for a hospital system with her decor work that has been featured in Better Homes and Gardens, House Beautiful, HGTV, and more. Finally, for an audiovisual resource, we have When Everything Fails Surviving Any Disaster. This DVD set is part of the Great Courses series of educational videos. It contains 14 lectures taught by Radford University's Professor Stephen Owen, including on how to develop a preparedness plan, essential life saving skills, helping others in a disaster, and more. You can find these resources and many more at your local Anoka County Library. Until next time, happy learning!
0: Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at AnokaCountyHistory dot I would like it to be noted that uh, Cassie does know where all the fire extinguishers are now. There are seven of them in the building. Uh, she found all of them, and
1: they do get checked every every year. year. There is even a little label on them with a little pokey check mark on the date. You schedule it, Rebecca.
0: I do. And then the dude shows up and I walk them around to all seven. Babysitting the fire extinguisher tour and like and here and here and
1: here. My particular favorite is the one in the exhibit hall where I really want to put an exhibit label underneath it.
0: Maybe we should. The next time you come to the museum, you could go on the fire extinguisher tour.
1: We could market that. Think disaster planning is boring? Take our fire extinguisher tour and find out. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Special request.
0: If anybody wants this as a special tour, contact Rebecca and we will make it happen.
1: Notice how Sarah flipped that ball over to me, folks. Mm-hmm. The art of delegation. <laughs> like you're the boss. Only when it's convenient. <laughs> When the boss has opinions you don't like, suddenly that doesn't work out so well. So, you know, grain of salt, people. Come work for us. It's a chaos. Anywho. So we'll get on this emergency plan thing. We will. Definitely. It's going to be our winter plan. And we'll check in about it uh, next year. It's a date. We could have a whole nother program. And the uh, unveil the tote that Cassie is so excited about. The unveiling of the tote. The tour of the fire extinguishers. Laminated cards, The freezer. Ooh. Sounds I can really see good. it now. All right, what? folks, you got something to look forward to in about March. <laughs> and wish us good weather for the rest of October. Please. And November. Let's just go with January, too. Why not? It's all good. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening, and uh, maybe think about your own emergency plans. Write it down! Bye! If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras, as well as the latest digital resources at History 21, The Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future. Put on by the Midwest Art Con I said that wrong. Put on by the Midwest Art Con. I wrote conversation. and that's why i was having trouble read it yeah take three